Welcome y bienvenidos to Presently Aquí with Claudia, an insightful mindfulness podcast to help you discover ways to control your thoughts, emotions, fears, and essentially mastering self-love. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Presently Aquí with Claudia. And today, as you know, all my guests are special. So yes, it's another special guest. I have Eric Cooley with me today, who I've been so, 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 like, I don't even know what to say. It's been wonderful meeting him through our mutual teacher and having these wonderful monthly conversations in the mindfulness space with her. Um, so Eric Cooley is a mindfulness instructor at the Braille Institute of America, which is an organization that offers free programs and services for the blind and visually impaired here in Los Angeles. He studied under many great teachers and one that we mutually share, and that's how we met. I was talking about Dr. Manije Motagi, um, who we love dearly, right? We're just so in love with her. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Claudia. It is so, I'm so excited to be here. It is such an honor. And I'm even like double excited because this is my first podcast interview that I'm Yay. doing. So woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I really felt it was so important to have all walks of life be spoken of and highlighted because we're all coming from different spaces in our lives, right? So um, I definitely took to you and your story, and it needed to be shared. I, I felt called to have you on, and it was so important. So um, thank, thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for giving my me a voice, yeah. uh, you know, to have people that are visually impaired speak mm -hmm. and to not be forgotten about because mm -hmm. uh, I hear... Not in my case so much because I'm such a loud mouth that <laughs> can't forget me, but uh, other people who don't speak up for themselves, right. you know, they just kind of get forgotten about. So thank you for this opportunity. You are most welcome. It is an, an honor to host you, of course. And um, so we're going to start with our icebreaker questions, which I, I do enjoy asking. Uh, <laughs> so the first one is... What is, if you do, because I've, I've learned my lesson that everyone has a midnight snack or a late snack. Is that a, a thing of yours? Do you have a favorite one? So I try not to eat past a certain time. I try to do the intermittent fasting. Me too. Uh, just, just for my weight management. Mm. But, of course, I'm not always a good boy. And <laughs> uh, so when I'm not and I'm uh, giving in to cravings, anything sweet anything mm. i have such a sweet tooth it doesn't matter if it's cake cookies ice cream pie <laughs> cake and ice cream cake and cook you know it <laughs> a, a mixture bring it on right right and, uh... <laughs> once i'm going there the floodgates are open and there's no holding me back <laughs> I don't blame you. You're like, well, I'm already with one cookie, so let's just keep going. <laughs> I'm so like strict, and I eat. I, I try to eat so healthy, mm. you know, for the, uh, the most of the day. Mm. That when I am giving in, I'm just like, you know what, f it. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Oh, it's awesome. Yes. Like, because... You know, life's too short. Life's too short to not enjoy some of those pleasures. Yes, and you're also <laughs> practicing self forgiveness and non-judgment right you're just like hey and, and i have to be very uh mindful or cautious as mm. someone 
who has struggled with their weight their whole life mm-hmm. and has even uh, almost been 300 pounds at one point. Ooh, wow. So, you know, I understand the struggle right. of having a healthy relationship with a sweet tooth mm-hmm. or some people it's salt, uh, you know, because I have used food for inappropriate coping at times. Right, right. So I, I've gone down that path as well. Interesting. We'll definitely get into that. Um, second question is, what is your favorite vacation spot, if you have one? Favorite vacation spot? You know, I haven't traveled much. Mm. But but uh, I will say that my favorite vacation spot is my parents were originally from Ravenna, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is within Akron, uh, Akron County. And most people, you know, before LeBron James mm-hmm. had no idea that Akron, Ohio existed. Right. But uh, my, so my parents are originally from Akron, Ohio. And as a kid, I would go there every summer. Uh, my parents were the only ones that moved to Los Angeles. So the rest of my family still lives over there. Okay. So I would spend summers there. And whenever I go there now, you know, my family just treats me like I'm at, it's like home away from home. Right. And, and so it's just like it's family when I go there. Right. And also, I just really appreciate it's more it has that small town type of feel mm-hmm. to see the contrast between, you know, growing up and living in a big L.A. city right. compared to the, the small town and just, you know, experiencing that. And, and I just love contrast. It makes life so exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, living here is, is a big contrast um, in any big city, as I'm from New York. So if you're coming from a small town, it's such a big difference. And, um, you know, I wanted to ask you this question um, regarding air quality, right? Because I'm sure you're more in tune to the other senses. So is there, I, I you feel there's a difference between Ohio, obviously, and, and coming to a big city like this, air quality-wise? definitely definitely i also i you know i have uh one of my closest friends Mm. is uh currently living in big bear Mm. and whenever i go visit him and i just you know step out of the car and this is just even you know not too far from los angeles but like you could just totally tell the difference Mm. taking the 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 you know a couple of fresh breaths yeah 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 i even use that as like a, a a uh, an example as far as the practice of mindfulness, mm-hmm. how our mind and our thoughts are often polluted mm-hmm. with, with, and we don't even recognize it yes. until we start going out into nature and whatnot and right. getting less cluttered. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, we'll definitely get into all this stuff. I mean, um, we could talk mindfulness for a whole day if we wanted to, and we're going to get to a little piece of it. So I know that, um, Eric has a special treat for us, and if you are driving, do not do this, please. <laughs> but he's going to walk us through a meditation, which I am so excited because I do miss opening up with meditation. So this is a treat for me as it is for everyone listening. So please take it away, Eric. Thank you, Claudia. I thought I would provide a little bit of a meditation before we start going further uh, uh, into my background and my life mm-hmm. and some of my experiences just as a way of grounding myself and also uh, grounding the listener yes. so that as my message is coming across that hopefully you're in a, a more uh, in alignment into receiving it and tuning into it. 
and also to ground myself. Mm. And as I share some of my personal experiences, this will make more sense of why I need to do this yes. for myself. Mm-hmm. So I invite everyone to find a comfortable posture and then rather than trying to replicate any specific type of meditation posture or sitting position, one you've seen in movies or magazines, what's most important is just finding a sitting position that's comfortable for you and one that's not going to cause any discomfort or any pain. That will distract you during the practice. You may have your eyes either completely open, partially open, or what they call veiled, or completely closed. Whichever feels most natural and comfortable for you. I will begin the practice by ringing the bell once and signal its end by ringing it three times. For many people, and if it feels appropriate for you, it can help to begin a meditation by first taking either a couple of deep breaths or just one slow, long inhalation and exhalation. And then allowing your breath to find its own rhythm without trying to adjust it, speed it up, or slow it down in any type of way. Once you're able to find your rhythm, bring your attention now to the very top of your head and slowly begin scanning your body, looking for any signs or areas of unnecessary tension, holding, or stress that the body may be experiencing at this very moment. Sometimes our bodies hold on to tension and stress, depending on what happened earlier today or yesterday, while at other times the body develops tension and stress, anticipating, expecting, what's to come later today or tomorrow or next week. And right now, at this very moment, if you happen to notice 
any areas of unnecessary holding, tension, or stress. See if you can start bringing a little softening, a little loosening, and a little letting go. Sending it out of the body with each exhale. A little softening, a little loosening, and releasing of any and all unnecessary tension, holding, and stress. If even just for a little bit, a few brief moments of allowing and giving the body full permission to just settle, to just be right here right now without anything to do, anywhere to go, or anyone to impress. And when your body feels as settled as can be for at this moment, tapping into your breath into the sensations of breathing at one of four areas. You may choose to notice and connect with your breath at the nostrils or back of the throat, sensing and feeling the passing of cool air as you inhale, noticing the little space or gap in between, and then sensing and feeling the passing of warm air as you exhale. You may also choose either the chest or the abdomen, sensing and feeling the rising sensations, the expansion of the chest and the ribcage on the inhale, noticing that little space or gap in between, and then sensing and feeling the falling the releasing, the letting go as you exhale. Pick one of those four areas, nostrils, back of the throat, chest, or abdomen, and begin following your breath, paying close attention to each stage of the breath, one breath at a time. Noticing the breath as it's coming into the body. Observing the little space or gap in between. And then following the breath as it's leaving the body. Using the breath as an anchor or home base to the present moment. Each unique breath only happens and occurs in the present moment.
So whenever your attention feels scattered, lost, uncertain, nervous, fearful, the moment you notice, all you have to do is to come back to resting in the breath. Whenever attention slips away, gets distracted from the breath, kindly and gently, the moment you notice, letting go of whatever has distracted you and redirecting attention back on the breath with an attitude of kindness compassion and caring. Even if we have to come back to the breath over and over and over again, it's all a part of the practice. What's most important is remembering to be kind and gentle to ourselves, to our awareness, and guiding our attention. And now as we wind down the practice, if you would like, performing a final body scan to just see if you happen to notice any benefits from just practicing. If you happen to notice any benefits, see if you can seal in those benefits for you to take with you throughout your day and also to use as a reference point of what is readily available to you to tap into at any moment. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share that with everyone and to connect with everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was so many great um, thoughtful distinctions for people to... I love the word that you use, sealed, um, because as we're learning, integrating and processing, we're not sealing these things and how we're able to come back to them later. Um, so that was really beautiful. Thank you. And um, I, hope, I hope everyone who's listening is in this blissful state of mind that I am currently in, uh, thanks to Eric. <laughs>
Thank you, thank you. And I can't take full credit for the seal. I was in a yoga class once, and the yoga instructor at the very end of class used that. So mm. I borrowed it from her, but I loved it when I, as soon as I heard it, and I'm like, I'm taking that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a collective process, right? We're not really mm -hmm. stealing or taking. It's a collective, um, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's it's beautiful, and yeah, I feel so relaxed. I actually. I meditate every morning, but I needed what you gave me. I, I've usually meditate with solfeggio frequencies, mm -hmm. and I really liked that I was more in tune with my breath than listening to anything, any sounds except your voice, um, which was um, not throughout the entire meditation. So it left me with myself. So I really, really appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Claudia, for letting me know that. <laughs> no, it was really, really wonderful. My body even felt like, oh, we needed this. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I didn't know you also needed to like fully relax. So I'm, I apologize, body. But now here we are. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to start this beautiful conversation about okay. Eric and mindfulness and, you know, collectively expanding awareness in ourselves and with each other. So this is going to be great. Um, and I'm excited to learn more about you, Eric. So if you don't mind sharing with all of us the first important question, which is what was your path to self-discovery like? My path to self-discovery for me has been those moments throughout my life where I have connected to a deeper dimension within myself. One where uh, I recognize that who I thought I was, mm -hmm. that there is more to me mm -hmm. than who I, who I am. Right. And that there is more to my existence other than this physical body mm -hmm. walking around in this physical world. Yes. That there's this inner timeless presence mm -hmm. that is readily available and to be accessed, uh, you know, the invitation is always there. Yes. It's just whether we are open to receiving mm -hmm. fully receiving it or not right and it's independent of all of these labels of i'm a 43 year old caucasian blind american male mm -hmm. and it's so liberating when i access this dimension and in yes. this place yes and and uh i can go into certain moments if you would like where that happened where I, that uh, uh, helped me access mm. this dimension. Uh, the very first was when I was a toddler. Oh. Uh, I was born with club feet, which is a foot deformity. Mm -hmm. And as a part of my treatment, kind of like Forrest Gump, I had to wear these, collect uh, these uh, you know, corrective braces mm -hmm. while I slept at night. And they were very uncomfortable. Right. And they caused a lot of pain. Mm. And, you know, trying to keep a two-year-old still and in <laughs> place while they're sleeping is like, you know, 
that's like Mission Impossible. Right. So my earliest memories were having to wear these braces and just the amount of suffering and pain I was in mm. while I was laying in bed. And it wouldn't happen all the time, but I remember from time to time there were moments when I would just completely surrender to mm-hmm. fighting the pain and, the, and everything that was going on. And when I stopped fighting, then I experienced this peace and this calmness mm. and, and access this other place within me that didn't even really care about the pain or uh, noticed it was happening, yeah. but was able to detach from fully experiencing it. Okay. And so that was as a toddler. Those mm. were even my earliest memories. That was then followed up by more uh, 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 abuse within the home, more traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a very harsh uh, parental upbringing mm-hmm. where uh, corporal punishment was very fierce. Mm. And I noticed at times when, like I'll give an example, like I used to get my mouth held down and rinsed out with soap mm. when you know swearing or I did you know uh, doing something that my mom didn't approve of right and this is very traumatic for a small child getting held down against their resistance mm-hmm. getting an object shoved into their mouth right. and by their caregiver that you know their protector right. and there were moments I remember when just when I surrendered to what was going on. Mm. And once I did, I kind of was able to observe the whole situation mm. from this detached space, from like the corner of the room. Right. Almost as if like my soul or my consciousness or my awareness was leaving my body. Mm. Yes. And I was able, and then I no longer at that time experienced the pain or the discomfort of the situation that was going on. Then in my teenage years, I started to get into music mm-hmm. and really just zoning out on music and putting headphones on and just tuning the world out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was like a complete like juxtaposition to those other two experiences were suffering right. and experiencing extremes that got me to that point. But with music and listening to music, it was the opposite. It was like just zoning in on the pleasure. Mm. And then that got me to this place where just free from thought, where just listening and focusing on the music helped me escape all of my problems I was experiencing at the time. The fact that I was overweight and getting bullied at school, Mm. or the fact that I was growing up in an abusive home. Just really tuning in on the music helped me escape my reality. Then, the, uh, a, a real big uh, experience, really life-changing, uh, that happened in the summer of 1997 was I was coming back from a weekend cabin trip in Big Bear and with friends, and we were taking the Pear Blossom Highway, which is a two-lane highway. My friend that was driving, I was the rear passenger, 
tried to pass a car that was driving really slow. And it was in an area where passing was permittable. But as he tried passing the car, the car started to speed up. And as the car started to speed up, a car started to come in the opposite direction. My friend then got nervous, freaked out, swerved back in, like slowed down as best he could and swerved onto the right side of traffic mm -hmm. rather than trying to pass the car. But in the process of doing that, he lost control. Our car started to fishtail mm. towards the car coming in the opposite direction. And the car impacted towards the rear of the car, completely knocked the back end of the car off that I was sitting in. And my seatbelt ripped and threw me out of the car. Wow. The police report from the accident and the collision report, mm. there was a collision report for the cars, and then there was a collision report of my body hitting the pavement. Jeez. Amazing. I know that I flew 100 feet from the point of impact to where my body landed on the ground. Wow. I was wearing work boots. The impact knocked me out of my work boots. My work boots were still in the front of the car. What? Yes, and they were laced up. So just, I got completely knocked out of my boots, like for real. That's, it happened. <laughs> laughing but not laughing, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, since we were out in the desert, they had to send a, a, a helicopter ambulance in order to come get me and rush me and fly me to Holy Cross Med a Trauma Center. Hmm. And my consciousness and my awareness kept coming in and out. Uh, pe you know, people were holding me down, trying to calm me down and telling me to relax. I kept trying to get up. In the, uh, and then on the helicopter, the, you know, the, the first responders were holding me down and telling me what was happening. Then when I got to the hospital, uh, I remember being in the emergency room and waking up to the nurses, then telling me and holding me down and restraining me. The whole time I, as I kept waking up, I kept trying to fight and mm. just get away from the whole experience, right? right. Run the whole f flight of what was going on. And as this was happening in the emergency room, eventually I surrendered. Mm -hmm. And as I surrendered, I felt my soul, my spirit once again, my awareness, my consciousness drift and leave my body and kind of just hang out in the corner of the emergency room and just observe what was going on and mm -hmm. happening to me as far as the catheter being placed inside of me mm. or them shoving breathing tubes down my neck and, and whatnot and seeing that. So that was another experience mm. uh, that happened. Luckily, uh, I was in ICU for three days and eventually I came out of, you know, this uh, of, uh, of coma. So that was in 1997. Another experience where I felt there that there is more to this life than just this physical body. Mm. Uh, and then lately, I kind of stopped having those experiences after that. 
because then I kind of got busy with going to school, getting my bachelor's degree, right. working, uh, having a family, you know, uh, getting a partner, mm -hmm. having a son, having a career, uh, you know, uh, all those responsibilities that you're supposed to be start taking on and having right? You know, in your 20s and in your 30s. So I was kind of busy and preoccupied doing that kind of stuff. But then as my vision started to get worse and my uh, chronic pain that I deal with as far as lower back pain and also foot pain from my foot deformities, as that started to get worse and I started to medicate myself with alcohol mm. and binge eating and uh, addiction to painkillers and opiates, that was kind of numbing me off right. from accessing this inner presence. Mm -hmm. uh, and that lasted for uh, a, a, a quite a significant amount of time mm -hmm. until uh, I had a close friend that overdosed on painkillers. And when that happened, that really shook me and woke me up because me having a son uh, and me, you know, abusing alcohol and opiates myself, I didn't, at the age of, you know, 35, 36, want to leave my son, uh, you know, fatherless right. at such a young age. Because that happened to me as well. I lost my father when I was 18 mm. due to complications of diabetes. And just if he would have taken better care of himself, he possibly still might be around today. Mm. And I didn't want to do that to my son. So when I lost a friend that passed away from opiates, that was really a slap in the face. Mm. That I was headed on that same trajectory. Right. And so I started to get help through Kaiser Mental Health, their behavioral health. I was going to therapy, which was helping, but it wasn't offering much relief to some of my symptoms. Right. I was seeing a psychiatrist and trying out different medications. And that, you know, that was actually making some of my symptoms worse. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that either. Right. So... Finally, mindfulness was recommended to me, and I was like, yeah, right, me quiet, <laughs> right. My overactive ADHD mind, but, you know, I was so desperate that I gave it a shot, mm. and after attending the first class and seeing that it was not so much emptying my mind, but more noticing where my, what my mind is paying attention to, right. to start noticing when I'm developing tunnel vision around all of the things that are unpleasant in my life mm -hmm. and how that causes suffering mm -hmm. and that how that can just be a practice in itself, mm -hmm. that really gave me stuff to do. Like it, I, it then gave me a practice of how I can use thoughts right. to even be a meditation in themselves mm -hmm. and working with thoughts and replacing unhealthy thoughts with more positive thoughts that create a different reaction throughout your body mm. that cause less stress and less tension throughout your body. 
So once I discovered the practice of mindfulness, uh, early on, about six months into it, I then had another one of these experiences where I had just done yoga and I was doing a concentration practice where I focus on my breath. And in addition to focusing on my breath, I perform a count. Mm. I've gotten the, uh, depending on uh, how winded I am, the count ranges anywhere from a count of 5, 10, or sometimes I go even all the way up to 20. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm inhaling, I perform a count of 20 or 10 or 5. Then on that little space or gap in between, I perform another count of 5, 10, or 20. Yeah. And then on the exhale, I perform another count of 5, 10, or 20. Right. And it's just a concentration exercise mm -hmm. for when my mind's feeling a little bit scattered than usual to give it a little bit more uh, meat on the bone mm -hmm. so that my the puppy of the mind doesn't run away, that right. it has something to chew on as I'm meditating. And this particular time, uh, as I was meditating, I was exhausted. And I also, as I close my eyes, I have this little uh, light that appears within in front of me. Mm -hmm. Almost like a, a, a bright, uh, light blue, uh, like, uh, I don't know if it's effervescent glow, mm -hmm. glowing light. And I just stare at the light, and as I'm concentrating on my breath and performing my count, this one particular time, I completely just felt connected to this inner dimension mm. where all of a sudden this just peace overcomes my body where I'm completely relaxed and at times this time it was like euphoric yeah. where I even had to take I had to stop meditating because it was just too overwhelming mm -hmm. and overpowering yes where I was like like I was almost like hyperventilating because the, and I, I almost felt that this light that I was staring at completely engulfed me mm -hmm. and that's all that I can see mm -hmm. and it was everywhere around me it was ever present it was always there and it, it didn't matter what I was doing or who I was with or what was happening that it was always available and readily to be accessed as long as I was open to tuning into it. Right. So those, and now once I've discovered that, my life has been aligning uh, with accessing that uh, as much as possible right. in my right. everyday life. Mm -hmm. as, as far as because I realized that that was really what I was looking for mm. my whole life. Yes. And that it didn't exist externally outside of me. Uh -huh. That it wasn't going to come with my bank account having a certain amount of zeros in it. Or achieving or obtaining a certain amount of prestige or position. Right. Uh, or having a certain amount of followers or or any of that right that yeah. it was already here mm -hmm. that that 
if I made the shift of not looking for it outside of myself, but instead inside, that it was always there. Right. And now it's it's all about, you know, helping other people right. realize that and then help people develop techniques and methods mm. throughout their day throughout their day to touch that place right it's, uh it's, go, oh sorry go ahead no it's okay it's just beautiful your story thank you so much for sharing by the way and i appreciate it um it's just beautiful how you remember your first time where you had um what is it the out-of-body experience right you were able to detach from what was happening to you and again and again and again and um until you found this beautiful dimension within yourself right where and the euphoria i am well aware of that feeling and it's it's it definitely is overwhelming in this body because if we were to if we were supposed to or meant to live in that euphoria then that's where we would be but it is a place that we can definitely go to and experience that euphoria which is unconditional love and creation happening simultaneously right so mm. it is a special place and i love that you talk about how it's always accessible at any given moment because it is it is this beautiful invitation an open invitation to fully immerse yourself within yourself to find this special place that is oh man uh, you're, you're making me go back to that euphoric feeling i i've i've been meditating deeply just to feel it you know here and there um but it is such, you know, the, the, the English language or just language in general is going to be really difficult to explain until you yourself, the listener, is able mm. to really get in there within yourself and access this euphoria, which is why I describe it as unconditional love and creation happening simultaneously because it's the best way I can express it. But the feeling in itself, you, 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 it is um, a lack of ego. There is no place for ego to be because it is just, it just is. If, if I could explain life in the universe, it's just a place of being, right, Eric? It's just mm -hmm. a place of being where, like you said, none of those things matter, like where I work. What my personalities, my personalities like, like, uh, what job do I have? How many kids? How many this? How much that? How much? How much? How much? How much? You know, material wealth I acquire. That means nothing if you cannot attune to yourself with the one, with everything. Everything is one, just you, me. Like, and when you get in there within yourself, you're able to be with it all and that's where that euphoria is it's just the most i don't i don't know like this it's just magic for lack of a better word right within yourself it, it, it's the mystical experience yes. and you know there's that saying when you define something you confine it mm, mm, 
Wow. Yes. A million percent. So, and, and I'm glad that there is no words because and then I would be confining it, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it is... It's everything that you're saying and so much more. Exactly. It's so much more. And I'm glad that we're able to, like, you've experienced it, I've experienced it. So we're able to really sit with um, the feeling as we're talking about it because I really love that you still, you know, I've brought this already up, but the invitation is there. Everyone who's listening, the invitation is there. But let's just bring it back a little bit, right? In order to, uh, to, to discover that part of yourself, you first have to practice mindfulness, right? You've, you have to really be aware of it to all, start right? noticing mm -hmm. the inner witness, right? the inner observer. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So you have to start noticing that part of yourself and how Eric was able to detach from those moments. I'm pretty sure that there is at least a good amount of people out there listening to this and saying, oh my God, yes, I've been at the most sufferable moment in my life and this happened. Some, 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 some type of semblance of detachment because... I think for the most part, most people, we've all suffered growing up. I, I didn't have a uh, great upbringing myself either, but in those moments, my first conscious decision or conscious moment was when I was 10. So, you know, you being two, it happens. It's just a moment that is traumatized that you can never forget that led you to a deeper part of yourself. Right, Eric? Yes. It's it's just this beautiful and you know, and this is why I love these conversations, right? Because we don't have these conversations more often. And and mindfulness has really been the practice of becoming aware not only of uh the process of becoming aware, mm. you know, reflecting mm -hmm. on the like uh your just that question helped me uh you know, put it all together. Right. And help even reflect more on that. Right. And um, uh, just by reflecting on it, mm. it, it helps bring more clarity. Yes. And also to the stories or our relationship of our past memories. Mm. And then now that I'm able to revisit it, uh, you know, th there's not as much suffering. Right. As I reflect on it, right. you know, I'm, it, because it was it was what needed to happen, mm. Mm. and it, rather than oh, it should have been differently, or life's not fair, right? But it was just all the products of the process unfolding. A hundred percent, yes, definitely, and you know, it's it's also telling of a person that's able to get to that space, right? Because a lot of us are unable to get there because you're stuck in the loop of the past or thinking because of their past experiences that your future won't be positive, right? So it's two, two loops that are not helping you um, process the suffering and the lessons and the beauty behind it all for you to integrate that within yourself and see the strengths that came out of those situations 
as difficult as they were, and here you are today, right? Whether it's Eric, myself, or anyone listening, here you are today pushing forward, believing in yourself, taking those things that cause suffering for you to move forward. And for people to tap into that inner observer, you really, if there is a, let's say, let, for someone who hasn't healed a past trauma, to go back there, since you're already reliving it, right? Because we, we have this process of this loop that we just keep remembering the past. So if you're going there, go there with an intent of fully living it as the observer, not as the victim. And you will be able to observe the lesson and the strength that you've acquired because of that situation. And that way you can heal that and take that with you and move forward. Because otherwise you're gonna keep running that loop and you, as the victim, not the observer. And once you're able to observe what has occurred and take the lesson and the magic behind it, you're gonna feel this expansion within your heart and your soul and your mind that you have never experienced before because you just released without knowing that you have by taking what you needed from those moments and moving forward. And also giving yourself that acknowledgement of being proud of yourself, that you were strong enough to do and go through that. And now you can take that and use it to move forward in your life, right? Mm-hmm. My, uh, one of my mindfulness instructors, Brian Shires, has a, a beautiful quote. Suffering that is not uh, uh, trans... Wait. Suffering that is not transformed gets transmuted. Mm. So we uh, transmute our suffering onto others. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's beautifully said. Because that is what occurs, right? Everyone listening is well aware that it's either happened to you or someone is projecting, right? Mm-hmm. Transmuting that, that pain onto you or you're doing it when you're being triggered to someone else. And when you're not transforming it, it's the loop. It's just going to keep going and going until you become the witness of what's happening to see what is truly transpiring in those moments. And um, this, be- this conversation is just so, so beautiful and enlightening for, for our listeners here today. Um, I feel like a lot of what we're talking about is, is what's being called into, right? Right now, the process and the, and the chaotic sense of the world, it seems, right? It's kind of, it actually, this is a great example, right, Eric? So the world seems chaotic, right? And we could look at it and be like, oh, it sucks. And I can't believe this is happening and that's happening. And now this is, and this, and this, and this, and this. Well, well right? we, need more, we need more just awareness mm-hmm. in the world and less, uh, less distractions as far as like, uh, you know, the, all the different notifications and whatnot and all the, you know, uh, uh, people are 
you know, all these companies are fighting for our attention yes. and to keep us just, you know, yes. tuned out, tuned out, and, and not paying attention to ourselves. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So instead of paying attention to the chaoticness, right? What paying attention to ourselves? Right, exactly what you just led into that. Mm -hmm. So notice that. Notice what is all this distraction for? The distraction is to keep you from yourself, to keep you from experiencing euphoria, this unconditional love that we are deserving, that we are, and just we just are, this beautiful, unconditional light of love. And think, it's even like, think about that. Why do they want you to not go inward? This is a great question for the listeners to ask yourself and for you, to, for you as a listener to figure that out. Why don't they want us to go within more? Why? I'm not here to answer that question. We're not here to talk about that topic. <laughs> Eric knows. But because of what Eric has experienced deep within himself is where you find the answer to that question. When you get in there, it will hit you like a lightning bolt, like, oh my goodness, I understand who I am and why that is. And now you can step into your power of this unconditional being of light. Right, Eric? It just radiates from you mm -hmm. once you're able to access this place on a regular basis. People yes. can just sense your energy. Mm -hmm. and, and they and they you know they want it. They want it. Yes, they do. And I like how you brought up the distractions, right? As we're um, doing uh, social media of any kind or TV of any kind, anything that's not going within, it's taking energy from you without you knowing. Going into Instagram, let's say, 20 times a day. They just took your energy 20 times in that day. And you do it every day, 7 times 20. And then that answer times the month, times the year. How much of that energy are you really expending that to yourself? Right? Yeah, I say, you know, they always say guard your heart. Right. But I always say you, we also need to keep close guard of our awareness. Yes. The information that we're allowing in. Yes. Where it's coming from. Right. Uh, what we're digesting and, and, you know, so we really need to keep mm. close guard of what we're really yes. tuning into and right. paying attention to. And I'm not here to say don't, don't go on social media and don't go on TV, but it's also like food. What are you digesting? What, what, what's in your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed? Or what shows are you watching? What, what is it that you're putting into your mind that goes into your heart and affects your soul? Like, is this bigger than, you know, usually I don't get into this depth, but because the world is changing rapidly, it needs to be said and it needs to be heard. We, we're, I'm not saying we're running out of time because that's a scarcity mindset, but the, the, the tide is high and it's time that this needs to be expanded on and shared because everyone who is listening is just as special, unique, important, magnanimous, as I am, as Eric is, we're just all amazing. And it's time that we tune back in, inward 
to f discover that for yourself. Right, Eric? Yes, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. The, the stakes are high. And it really starts with yourself mm. and, uh, you know, working on your own suffering. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and managing that and minimizing that and, and learning uh, a practice. Mm -hmm. to, to, because uh, to be available for another person's suffering, yes. then you have to, you know, uh, address yours. Right, absolutely. Right, God, they say, how can you help others put on their oxygen mask until you put yours first? Mm -hmm. And it's not selfish. It is not selfish. <laughs> right, because um, there's a distinction here. Either I, if I say in 24 hours, I decide to go shopping, I decide to watch all the shows that I want and, and bubble baths and go on all the social media I want. That's, that's selfish. You're not going inward. You're not sitting there with yourself and all of yourself. That's what meditation really is. It's not the stillness of the mind is eventual when you surrender. Until you do, it's going to rump rapid, and I want you to be with all those thoughts and, and look at them as the observer and acknowledge why, why is this loop running why do I think this? Why do I talk to myself like this? Why do I allow this behavior? Why X, Y, Z? Because right now we're being called to go inward because we need to heal these parts of ourselves so we can rediscover this beautiful light within ourselves. So like Eric said, so that way we can continue expanding that beautiful love towards others. Once you've entered that dimension within yourself you're gonna inspire others to do the same and not by words by being and and these labels of you know male female mm. uh african-american latino you know mm. they they all disappear they do. and and you're able to see a person's just humanity yes and we're all just citizens of the world mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. no boundaries, no borders, and mm -hmm. and I just love being in that space. Right? It's 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 home. <laughs> it's home within yourself, where none of these things matter because ultimately they don't. It just convinced us that they do, but they don't. Love is all that matters. That unconditional love within yourself to radiate outward, and think of it. You're not only radiating that love, like let's say Eric's not only er radiating that love outward to, uh, outward to his family, into his community, to me. This is going out into the universe. It's going out to a bigger space where it needs to be vibrating more. We need everyone to be in this beautiful, loving, vibrational space so the rest of Whoever else is out there can feel that there's this beautiful love just never-ending, ever-expanding, ever-abundant, ever-giving. And it's a practice. You know, yes. it, I'm not always feeling so loving towards <laughs> everybody. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I notice. And it's important. Like, I'll give an example. 
One day I was riding uh, the subway on public transportation. And as I was giving off the subway, uh, the dog of a homeless person bit my leg and I was wearing shorts. Mm. And I wasn't feeling very loving right. towards the homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it's a practice. Yes. And after the situation, I reflected on the homeless person and how his situation, and I don't know his life, and how, you know, how much stress mm. it must be for him. Right. Just having to navigate his every day. Right. And that opens my heart a little bit. Right. So, and it's a practice. Right. Yes. And, it, and it's a lot more liberating and freeing to approach looking at the situation and opening my heart rather than having anger mm -hmm. or continuing. Like, even now, as I tell the story, if I would have said, can you believe that guy? Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he didn't, he just dismissed me and didn't do anything. No. That doesn't, that just harms myself. Right. So. right. Yeah, it's, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because we're not saying, hey, so this is how you can be perfect. No, <laughs> we're not talking about perfectionism at all. This is more about going with the flow of life and understanding that you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. It's how you're processing those days for yourself. Are you beating yourself up? Are you holding resentment, anger? when these moments come across you so these tools like mindfulness is you know the basis to even to any any other tool emotional intelligence introspectiveness mindfulness being in the present of any emotion and thought is the first step to whichever road you want to take from there yeah uh goals are formed within your awareness mm. And then the problems that come up as you're pursuing those goals, the ability to problem solve, mm. that all happens within awareness. Yes. Absolutely. So, and then whenever our awareness gets constricted or develops tunnel vision mm. around any particular aspect of our life, it is within awareness that we learn how to broaden it back out yes. or to take a bigger picture mm -hmm. rather than getting fixated on particulars. Right. Right. And Eric, I know that you're a mindfulness instructor at the Braille Institute. Um, share a little bit with us, um, like how, how did you even land this beautiful position at the Braille Institute? And um, like, what are some things that you help people with the visually impaired to really get in there? And I feel like with either being blind or visually impaired, mindfulness, I'm assuming that it would be easier, but I obviously could be wrong because I'm not. Please share. Uh, I don't know if it would be easier. What I will say is that the, the blind and the visually impaired are more have more body awareness. Mm, okay. As far as hearing, touch, they're more in tune with those senses because mm. they rely on them in order to make a sense of their environment more. Right. Uh, so they're very more sensitive gotcha. to those uh, senses. Mm. Uh, as far as how I started to teach at the Braille Institute, I've actually been a student there, uh, God, right around when I started to, I actually discovered the practice of mindfulness. Prior to discovering the practice of mindfulness, I was like, you know, I was in my early 30s, and I was like, you know, going to the Braille Institute, that's not for me, that's right. for older people. Mm. I'm too hip, 
I'm too young, you know, they're not going to have people my age there. I, you know, I got this. I don't need help from them. Right. All of that. So, but when I discovered mindfulness and how that just kind of blew me open and like how I was just had this misconception uh, over meditation and I saw its benefits, uh, you know, it just kind of cracked me open about exploring everything else that maybe uh, I had certain preconceived notions and ideas about. So I went to the Braille Institute and just started to really uh, take advantage of all the classes that they have there. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, my uh, vision started, was getting worse and I was uh, no longer able to use the computer. So they offer computer classes. Oh. And I uh, learned how to now navigate a computer without even seeing the screen using mm -hmm. voice assist software. Right. And that was very empowering to me. It, you know, it, it started to give me skills back and, and, and to be able to connect and write emails or to, you know, watch movies on Netflix if I like to, or, to, you know, uh, to journal or to create like a Word document. Right. And, and that just gave me a huge boost of confidence. So I was very grateful to the Braille Institute. And I just saw, you know, the power that the practice of mindfulness had in my own life. Right. And I just thought, you know, hey, why don't I try, you know, offering a mindfulness class of my own at the Braille Institute? And I met with the educational director, mm -hmm. typed up a class proposal, and she was on board with it. And I started off with just one class in the beginning. And now I have two classes that meet on a weekly basis. And uh, I teach usually just uh, like a, a systematic breakdown mm. of the practice. Each week I cover a different dimension or like a component of the, what the practice consists of. Similar to like when you go to culinary school. Right. Okay. Um, one week, you know, we might cover the sauces mm -hmm. and learning all the different sauces. Another right. week, you know, in cooking school, you cover the different techniques, baking versus frying. Mm -hmm. So similar to the practice of mindfulness, I really break it down to one week I might cover thoughts and then go into detail about uh, how our thoughts aren't always so accurate. Right. how they are real, but they're not always true with a capital T. <laughs> and most people don't realize that. <laughs> so learning how to create a little space from their thoughts. Another week I might cover emotions and how the body doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is imagined. Yeah. And we see this waking up from a nightmare and our heart's pounding out of our chest. Mm -hmm. But what most people don't realize is that they're daydreaming as well. Those moments when nothing is wrong and we're thinking about the future, maybe an upcoming doctor's appointment. And we're wondering what's, you know, what, what's going to happen at the doctor's appointment. Am I going to get a shot? Is the shot going to hurt? And then as I'm thinking all of this, my body starts to respond and my heart starts to race. And I start, uh, you know, my hormones started getting released into my bloodstream, adrenaline and cortisol. 
And then I'm experiencing the stress response almost as if I'm at the doctor's appointment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, that week I go into detail of emotions mm -hmm. and managing emotions and can, you know, uh, reality testing, uh, are your emotions connected to the here and the now or in the past or in the future? So breaking it down, and then for some weeks, you know, I'll, I'll put it together as far as kind of covering it in a pie chart, whereas I'll put the whole practice together for everyone. Mm. And this really helps people uh, just develop conceptual understandings of all the different nuances and the differences of the practice, of how our thoughts can trigger emotions, how emotions can trigger certain physical sensations, and how that can just be a loop, how it keeps feeding into itself. Right. And without awareness and understanding this whole process, then we, it just keeps happening. We, don't, we are not able to break the cycle. Another thing that I really uh, try to cover in my classes is for people to uh, custom make the practice to fit their own lifestyle. Mm. The beautiful thing uh, about the practice is, and, and just about life, is how we are all diverse. And, you know, thank God for that. Otherwise, you know, life would be really boring. And because we're so diverse, you know, uh, the practice might look differently for different people as far as some people report uh, benefits from practicing first thing in the morning when they wake up. Mm. But other people who might not be morning people, that seems like the furthest thing that they want to do as soon as they wake up. Nah. So maybe scheduling the practice later on in the day you know, after maybe having lunch or dinner and, you know, uh, coupling it with something that you already do on a daily basis in order to help have that activity remind and cue you to begin practicing. And then, you know, uh, you know, uh, changing how long you practice. For some people, five minutes is even too long. Mm -hmm. So maybe just starting with a minute or three minutes of just trying to, you know, notice your thoughts and focusing on your breath. And then with, uh, as it becomes more of a habit, extending that time window to five minutes, 10 minutes. And then when I cover, you know, uh, the week of bringing mindfulness into your everyday activities to not just limiting this calm, relaxed, or, uh, you know, getting fulfillment and satisfaction out of the practice to just that five or ten minutes of sitting, mm -hmm. but really bringing it into your everyday life to, as I'm taking a shower, to slow down a little bit and not rush through it and take more time to just connect with experiencing the temperature of the water, the sensations of the water hitting my skin, and if you have like one of those massage heads, you know, changing the different, to, to have different, you know, uh, texture sensations. Mm 
as far as a mist. So, or, you know, connect, also using the fragrances and just really, uh, you know, being present and using all of that rather than just rushing through it. Right. And all of, or brushing your teeth or maybe going for a walk. Usually as we go for a walk, we're just so uh, busy, you know, uh, thinking about the to-do list or where we're at in our walk that we're not appreciating, you know, the sounds of nature or just taking in uh, our surroundings. Right. So, uh, you know, incorporating the practice into your, maybe people who are too busy to formally meditate or sit, then choose an activity and use that activity to practice mindfulness. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I like your, your section of custom-made practice because that'll help anyone to, to figure out what works best for them, right? Even how you said, like, waking up, maybe that's not your thing, maybe later in the day or um, before going to bed. Or, but the point is to start with there is 30 seconds, one minute, um, I, I, you know, for uh, all of us, we've started in that point, right? We started where it's 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes. And, you know, for those of us that practice mindfulness or teach mindfulness, um, it just becomes part of your day. And now it has become part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like practicing anything else. And I, I say this a lot, but um, it's just a point, like, you're practicing Netflix and you're practicing Instagram and you're practicing these other things that are not assisting you for the, for the betterment of yourself for f to expand within that light within yourself, right? So, you know, if you're, again, this is not to punish yourself or, or be like, oh, I should do less and I should, oh, why am I doing this? No, it's paying attention to how much of that time you are putting and then practicing non-judgment and self-forgiveness when you do fall short because we are human and no one is perfect and giving yourself that space. And when you start practicing mindfulness, you're gifting yourself a gift that has no price, not nine, $9.99 a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that it's going to change you for yourself. You're going to start loving yourself. You're going to start understanding yourself. You're going to start being your own best friend. And no one's going to know you better than you. And why not start getting to know the parts of yourself that you haven't accessed yet via mindfulness, via meditation, and uh, discovering the different types of meditation. What is really meditation? I think we talked about this earlier in this conversation. It's not about the stillness. It's about being fully with yourself and accepting yourself fully in those times and spaces. And... Um, Eric, you, you know, this conversation has been just, um, like you said, grounding. You know, that, that meditation really just, I feel so anchored and I feel n not calm because I'm always calm, but in the flow. Ah, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. I as well, and 
even though that this is an interview, like, I will share with everyone, due to my background that I've shared, mm. I really struggle with uh, public speaking mm. and just have strong social anxiety. Mm. So... That's even why I need to begin every class or interview with a meditation to ground myself first and foremost. Right. To just be able to just be here for everyone. And yes. that's just the power of the practice. Yes. Of, you know, yes, I have all these overwhelming, you know, my heart's pounding and I'm nervous and I'm like these thoughts of like, can I do this? Can I not? Am I going to screw up? Am I going to forget what some of the things that I prepared? But then, you know, focusing on my breath, telling myself it's going to be okay, replacing those negative thoughts with more positive thoughts, mm -hmm. giving myself some loving kindness, yes. you know, patting myself on the back, you know, if I need to, uh, it's going to be okay. Or I also, right before the interview, you know, I spent a little time with my fiancé. Mm. on the couch and she was just caressing me and that was helping a lot so luckily you know I had that you know she was available to offer that but mm. there's been times where she hasn't and then I've worn clothing that she's given me and just connect and you know connected with the loving kindness yes. through the, the article of clothing mm. so you don't always need the person there right. but just that's the power of the practice yeah. to overcome that fight that overwhelming fight flight or fear you know uh freeze response mm -hmm. that we all have yes and uh it actually you know confines us mm -hmm. and it did for me for the longest time and now i'm in the process of slowly you know coming out of my shell mm -hmm. and it's all because of mindfulness mm -hmm. and i'm so grateful for the practice and i really attribute it to saving my life and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it with others and uh, helping others you know form a practice for themselves their own unique practice beautiful beautiful Eric I can't thank you enough for sharing and and you know coming out of your comfort zone for this and you know just expanding and creating this moment with me so thank you so, so much from the bottom of my soul, my heart, and my divine light. I'm grateful to you. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Of course, my love. And, you know, I'll be seeing you every month at Manage's class, um, her, her community. What is it she call it? Her monthly community connection? Uh, connection hour. God. I know. It's like connection. It's wordy. I know, <laughs> but I'll see you there, of course, and, um, you know, again, the gratitude comes from you expanding this, this, this moment, this time with me, and creating together. Um, and uh, I just wanted, if, if people need to reach me, yes. uh, my email is my first name, E-R-I-C dot Cooley, C-O-O-L-E-Y, 78 at yahoo.com and i was also had the pleasure of being in a couple mindfulness documentaries that my best friend made mm. and also a bullying documentary that just got released 
if anyone's interested in checking any of those out, you can. they're posted on his website for free on theskyisland.com. Skyisland.com. And yes. I will take all that information from Eric, and I will be posting it on my website as well, so you're able to contact him um, regarding any questions that you, that you may have or anything that you resonated with. Please feel free to contact him, and um, this was beautiful. And um, any last words before we go, Eric? I always like to part with telling everyone, just be and be well. Beautiful. And don't forget that the breath is the secret, everyone. Many blessings. Thank you. today's episode resonated with you in any way, please subscribe to my podcast and share with anyone that may need to hear today's message. You can find me at Presently Aqui on all social media platforms. Gratitude donations are also accepted via Venmo at Presently Aqui. My wish for all of you is to find the courage and strength to start the path to self-love through mindfulness because you deserve it. Remember the breath is the secret and always lead with love.